so now that the relationship has ended, paternity has been determined and custody has been established. The hard work of co-parenting begins. If you're ready to stop the drama and work through the trauma, it's time for Co-Parent Court with your host, Judge Rochelle Jackson. Welcome to Co-Parent Court, the court where parents forget the drama and work through the trauma. I am your host, Judge Rochelle Jackson, and thank you for joining me. So I came in today to do a quick uh, session about co-parenting through domestic violence. So domestic violence is one of the areas where I do uh, a lot of work. And when we talk about domestic violence, sometimes it's not easily recognized because it may not be physical violence that you see. And a lot of times when I hear conversations about uh, co-parenting and I'm listening to how that's being navigated, sometimes I hear what may meet the definition of domestic violence in terms of power and control. So if you have been in a relationship and that relationship has ended and now boundaries are being set or rules are being set that speaks about how you're going to navigate co-parenting, sometimes those rules are still developed where one party has or he or she is trying to exert power over the other party meaning they're going to tell you when they're going to pick up the child. They're going to tell you when they're going to drop off the child. They're going to tell you whether or not uh, they're going to choose to engage with the child based upon whatever parameters he or she may have laid out. And if you don't abide by those uh, requests, those rules, those boundaries, those parameters, then they're not going to engage. They're not going to be that parent that you would hope that they would be. And at the same time, they're not going to co-parent with you because you will not do it their way. So sometimes um, the other parties succumb to the orders or demands from, you know, one party because they want to engage. So if you find yourself in that situation, if you escaped an abusive relationship, and oftentimes, you know, when people are involved in abusive relationships, we don't know who they are. It's not written um, that you can easily identify an abuser or an abusee. You know, in the headlines, there are many headlines these days and, you know, we are in 2023, we're closing out the year. And if we reflect on some of the headlines from some of the well-known, you know, people, actors and actresses across this nation, then, you know, we are sometimes shocked and taken aback by 
the abuse that we hear about, but those abuses are happening every day. And those abuses are going on while people still have to co-parent. Now, we've heard a lot of sensational headlines this year. And we looked and listened to the grown-ups. But what has not been discussed is, aside from all of that abuse, what's the effect on children? And how do you still navigate co-parenting co-parenting through abuse? And you may be living in a space where you're the only one who feel abused. You're the only one who's suffering through your trauma. You and your children, you and your child, who perhaps get to see it or get to deal with the repercussions of it. So a couple uh, things that we do when we are navigating co-parenting resolutions, knowing that there's been a history of abuse, abuse between the parties and there's been no abuse, no physical abuse, or no emotional abuse that's been attested to. How do both parties still get to engage with the child without one party being able to continue the power and control struggle that inferiority in that superior role? How do we get cold to be equal? Some of the things that uh, work would be keeping your communications to a minimum, making sure communication perhaps is not necessarily verbal one-on-one, making sure communication is not verbal beyond a true emergency situation. So you may subscribe to some texting uh, process, some emailing process where you communicate only what's necessary about the well-being of the child, whether or not you are equally involved such that you have to come to a compromise or upbringing or decisions, then those are questions that you will pose through texting, through writing, and not necessarily lead through some verbal exchange. That's one way to take away the power and control. The other suggestion is that when those, when that communication is being conveyed, that it's through a question process. If you don't ask a question, you don't get a response. So just because one party rants and raves and in writing doesn't necessarily require a response. So after you typed all of that foolishness that you typed, at the end of it, it's what is the question? What are you asking the other side that he or she must respond to? because it's about the best interests of your child. And if that's not a question that you can format after doing all of the extra, and sometimes I would suggest pulling back the extra 
you know, it's been suggested that uh, uh, we hear that when you type an email, you know, you type it and you let it sit. You don't send it. And then you go back and reflect on whether or not it needs to be sent. And it's the same thing I would suggest for communicating with another parent who has a history of being in a cycle of power and control. What information is necessary to share? Because a lot of times, until you get to a better space in the immediate role in the first leg of the realization of this is a broken relationship. And not only is it a broken relationship, but it's a broken relationship because it was based upon domestic violence. It's a broken relationship because it was broke up. It's broken because of power and control. And a party chooses not to be in that inferior role anymore. And sometimes the person who exerts the power doesn't want to give up that power. They still want to navigate and create uh, boundaries and, and rules that try and force the other side to still engage with him or her from their perspective. But you can still communicate, and the communication is probably best through some written form that after you fin- finish venting, you can delete it all and just ask the question and wait on the question to be responded to. The other navigation that has to happen or should happen when it comes to co-parenting through domestic violence, and again, it's violence that's uh, not directed toward the child, not directly toward the child, but research uh, will probably lend out to say that, in my opinion, to say that children are very observant. They are uh, sponges that they get to absorb all of the chaos that they've witnessed. And it manifests itself through the traumas that we all deal with. So the traumas that that we can each reflect on today probably stems from some previous relationship, but probably some childhood relationship and feeling broken and not feeling accepted by one of our parents because the parent wasn't present, present in terms of being there physically or present in terms of being there and supportive emotionally for what we as children deemed was necessary. And we carry that through our adulthood until we're able to get some professional help that help us to navigate. And until we get some education through reading and reflection, that gets us to look at things in a different perspective, in a different light, that we're able to move through and push through that. So we talked about communicating and that being through some texting, emailing form, some letter writing form. And now it's how does a child spend time? with both parents and in particular, how those exchanges set up. And again, when we talk about domestic violence, 
So we want to also make sure that the victim, the survivor, is always in a position of feeling safe and being safe in their physicalness. So you cut down the opportunity of being around the uh, abuser at every opportunity you can get. So exchanges happen that the other parent, the alleged abuser or the uh, proven abuser receives the child from either directly from the school, if the child is of school age, maybe from a third party that is helping to navigate that situation um, to make sure that the child is able to spend time with both parents. You may have a third party and it could be a third party. That's uh, a friend, a family. It could be a professional that you have to pay to help navigate that uh, aspect. The uh, unfortunate part sometimes is that uh, those exchanges happen at police stations. You know, these days, there are special identifying parking spots to do exchanges at police stations. And we, uh, as professionals in this uh, arena, in this industry, uh, look to law enforcement to help navigate that when it's necessary. But those are options that will keep the abused person safe or person who feels that there's some power and control struggle and needs some additional support may have to make sure that exchanges happen at school. And that's fine for when school is in session. A lot of times, and if you hear over the holidays how perhaps domestic violence increases, is because school is not in place and now parties have to deal directly with each other. And that doesn't go well uh, too many times for parents. So we have to make sure that if people are in the position of being abused, that they are also provided with information about how those exchanges can happen. So look at your local police departments you can go inside those stations. You don't have to just sit in the uh, parking lot and you can share with the uh, officers who are on duty what your uh, intent is in terms of doing the exchange. You know, and there are cameras around. So that should be a safe place. Picking up from school when the other party's not there should be a safe place. And having a third party, a neutral party who can help navigate can also alleviate the point of having abusers around their uh, victims. So we talked about communication. We talked about the physical aspect and the probably the most challenging is still how do you navigate having discussions about the best interests of your uh, child. So I talked about just asking the questions that need to be asked. And the other thing is just dumping information that needs to be shared. So again, that dumping of information, the school records, the medical records, the, um, the sharing of social activities that you all are seeking to navigate, all of that information, again, because of technology, could just be shared with the other party. 
And while you work, while we each work, while everybody works on their own individual traumas and getting professional help, doing your research, educating yourself about what you need to do and looking at different perspectives and looking at different um, research, because I'm, I'm an educator, I believe in researching because we don't know uh, everything. We don't know a lot of stuff. So as parents, there's no manual that's provided. There's no person who can tell you that you should do this, you should do that, you, should do, you shouldn't do this because their reality is different from your reality. So you have to figure it out and you can't just make it up with nothing. You know, your child deserves more than that. So when you're working to make good informed decisions, you're making it based upon substance and based upon information and not just information that you gather from social media when um, people are just spewing their opinions, but people who can uh, back it up with their proven history of working in a particular field, who realize that everyone is different and they're not trying to tell you what to do, but to share information that helps you build a toolbox of having resources that you're able to pick and research and study and to try something different. Because if you're listening to the podcast, you may be listening because what you're doing is not working. So these tips, suggestions, and recommendations, you can go and look up. You can go and do some research about communication and effective communication for victims of domestic violence. You can go and look up now that you know, oh, let me look up. I have an issue with uh, communicating. I have an issue with feeling safe and still making sure that my child has time uh, spending with both parents because I don't believe the other party. It hasn't been proven. There's no evidence of, there's no suggestion of the person bringing harm to the children. While I heal from my uh, broken relationship, while I heal from the traumas of domestic violence, while I healed from being an abuser, how do I still co-parent? How do I still parent to make sure that my child won't be in this same position because of residual trauma, because of unseen trauma, because of exposed trauma that we know children deal with every day, which is why the schools are so important, because a lot of times professionals at school get to recognize the trauma. So you should still have access to social workers at school or recommendations that the school can make for social workers, for family counseling, and not family counseling around the aspect of bringing that family unit back together again, but family counseling around the aspect of understanding how to navigate when now families and parties are living in separate households. So 
those would be the three things I would suggest for navigating through domestic violence. I would also suggest that if you are a victim of domestic violence and you are still struggling to navigate that, that you uh, look up the National uh, Domestic Violence, and I'll I'll put a um, I'll put the number at the end of this uh, this session so that you could reach out to support groups to get more information about how to support your recovery of being a victim of domestic violence, even when there's no police report, even when there's no judgment uh, identifying somebody as the abuser or as the victim. Do your research. If you have an issue with power and control and you're struggling with co-parenting, see if the suggestions of how to communicate, how to do the exchanges, and how to navigate those issues of co-parenting with the other party could work for you. That is, again, my hope, because if you're seeking to co-parent, then I believe you're seeking to say that the issue of abuse was not directly inflicted on your child, but you know that the child has seen the um, the the trauma and may be suffering from trauma also. So you want to navigate that in everyone between the abuser and the victim need to get the therapy to work through how to be a better parent when it comes to parenting and also when it comes to the co-parenting aspect of raising a child through domestic violence. So until next time, it is my hope that you continue to not do it solo, but work toward co. Have a great day.